Hello, Hi Rock. Welcome to our daily devotional. We're continuing with our walk through the Gospel of Luke, and we are uh, in the middle of a number of passages where Jesus is squaring off against the Pharisees. So we're going to see that again today. We're in Luke chapter 11, verses 29 through 41, where we read this. As the crowd pressed in on Jesus, he said, This evil generation keeps asking me to show them a miraculous sign. But the only sign I will give them is the sign of Jonah. What happened to him was a sign to the people of Nineveh that God had sent him. What happens to the Son of Man will be a sign to these people that he has been sent by God. The Queen of Sheba will stand up against this generation on Judgment Day and condemn it, for she came from a distant land to hear the wisdom of Solomon. Now someone greater than Solomon is here, but you refuse to listen. The people of Nineveh will also stand up against this generation on Judgment Day and condemn it, for they repented of their sins at the preaching of Jonah. Now someone greater than Jonah is here, but you refuse to repent. No one lights a lamp and then hides it or puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where its light can be seen by all who enter the house. Your eye is like a lamp that provides light for your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is filled with light. But when it is unhealthy, your body is filled with darkness. Make sure that the light you think you have is not actually darkness. If you are filled with light with no dark corners, then your whole life will be radiant as though a floodlight were filling you with light. As Jesus was speaking, one of the Pharisees invited him home for a meal. So he went in and took his place at the table. His host was amazed to see that he sat down to eat without first performing the hand-washing ceremony required by Jewish custom. Then the Lord said to him, You Pharisees are so careful to clean the outside of the cup and the dish, but inside you are filthy, full of greed and wickedness. Fools, didn't God make the inside as well as the outside? So clean the inside by giving gifts to the poor, and you will be clean all over. And this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, Dave, I feel like uh, this passage is filled with all kinds of zingers and burns that if we had been there originally and understood their context, uh, we would really be feeling it. But uh, for us, these just don't land in the same way. Um, one image, though, that I do think kind of unites uh, these kind of separate encounters is this image of darkness and and God's light entering into our light into our lives to dispel this darkness, whereas some people will resist the darkness, in this case the Pharisees, and will even become confused into thinking that their darkness is actually light. So how lost will someone be if they think that the light that they have, they think is when it's actually darkness, when they think that is light? Of course, they're going to reject any other light. Jesus mentions a sign here, a sign of Jonah. Jonah is in utter darkness in the belly of the whale, and then he's belched up after three days, and he goes into Nineveh. And this sign is what allows the Ninevites to believe that he has come from God. And they are Gentiles, they are enemies of Israel, but they repent, which is the whole reason Jonah didn't want to go in the first place, because he knew God is a merciful God. And even if these reviled enemies of Israel, if they were to repent, God is so merciful that he would forgive even them. So Jonah was not very faithful, whereas the Ninevites ended up being faithful. And similar, we have uh, the Queen of Sheba, who's coming from you know hundreds of miles to come hear the wisdom of Solomon. She's also a Gentile, a non-Jewish person, but she's willing to go through all this effort to receive the light of wisdom in her life. 
And Jesus is contrasting these Gentiles, these people they would have seen as enemies or people far from God, and, and how they are willing to seek wisdom, to seek uh, repentance. And they're not willing, you know, the, the, the Pharisees are not willing to do it, even though Jesus is standing right there. Someone greater than, uh, you know, someone greater than Jonah is there. Someone wiser than Solomon is there. And yet they can't avail themselves of it because they are filled with darkness. This is the whole image of darkness that uh, Luke talks about. And they are thinking that their darkness is actually light. So they're uh, really, really lost. I guess the way I would put it uh, for all of this is that we are really um, being encouraged to allow ourselves to be filled with light. And, and again, one of the one of the burns here I see is like, for instance, the Pharisees, they're so fixated on the outer things that they're blind to the corruption on the inside. And, you know, they're the ones who they, they, their, their forefathers killed the prophets. They're ready to kill someone greater than the prophets right there. Uh, so anyway, Jesus really isn't pulling any punches here. He's trying to break through this kind of obstinate blindness that they had. Like their hearts are hard, just like Pharaoh's was. Um, and maybe some of them will come around. We see some evidence of Pharisees who came came to faith as well. But there is this real blindness because they fo- fixated on the wrong kinds of things and they're rejecting the truth that's standing right in front of them. While at the same time, people that they think are far from God are coming in in droves. And just like we saw yesterday, part of what their problem is, is that they are opposing God by their by a jealousy where they keep trying to keep people away from God. They're, they're attacking Jesus maybe more than anything just for the fact that, that Jesus is being successful, that Jesus is actually reaching and saving and helping people that they were unable to. And so the only thing that they can do is this kind of envious attacking of Jesus and his ministry so that they don't lose face. In any case, I I think the warning for us is to really make sure that the light we have truly is light, you know, to be examined by ourselves, by others, to listen to criticism, to Uh, really make sure that what we're doing really aligns with the purposes of God, unlike the Pharisees in this passage. Dave, I'm wondering what you see in today's passage. Well, I think you've done a good job covering a lot of the the pieces. There's a lot happening in this passage. Um, You know, that verse 34, your eye is like a lamp that provides light for your body. When your eye is healthy, the whole body is filled with light. But when it is unhealthy, your body is filled with darkness. Make sure the light you think that you have is not actually darkness. And, uh, this passage is actually very difficult to translate. Uh, it, it, it seems when you read it like this in English, oh, okay, that's sim- simple enough. I don't know if I get it, but at least I, you know, the, the words seem clear. Um, but uh, but actually, the, trying to translate this from Greek is uh, a huge mystery. And you'll see that different translations in English really take it very different directions because it's not as clear as we'd like it to be. It's a obviously an idiom that doesn't necessarily translate directly into English, like, which is often true with idioms. Um, and so what, the way that I understand this passage is actually, uh, if you think of the, the light, of, excuse me, of your eye almost as a lens where light can shine in and it goes inside the cavity of your body. Uh, if, if you have a, a lens that is clean, I mean, how many of us have tried to take phone, you know, pictures on our, our cell phones and, you know, you get up, you see this thing, you want to take a picture and all of a sudden you realize, eesh, this looks terrible. What's well, because there's, you know, all kinds of gunk on the on your lens. You got to clean off the back lens real quick. Then you can take the picture. It looks much better. And I think that there's uh, in the same way that the, the lens, if it's clean, well, then light can just pass right through, right? Brilliant, bright light. 
And he's saying your eye, which is to say the way that you see, like the lens that you use is going to affect what gets in. And I, I think that I see that reality played out all the time, uh, that I can be one of those people that has just the lens that I am looking for everything wrong. I'm looking for why other people are bad, why other people are hurting me, are somehow exploiting me, that something's not fair. You know, there's there's a, a distortion to that lens. And I think I'm looking at the world and seeing it clearly. But in fact, it's distorted. What I'm taking in is distorted by the lens. And then there's other people who have these eyes that, that are just are, are focused, are able to see so much kindness and beauty. And they, they can actually see the hand of God in all of these things. And I think that if we end up having the eyes that can see the full picture, right? Not just whatever the, the reality and the feeling I might have about it immediately, but but see that through the light of God's presence and who they are is, is that's our filter. And it comes through that all of a sudden, all of us are filled with light. I end up experiencing so much warmth and richness. And I oftentimes think that the people who re react very negatively and are bitter or self-centered, right? That they're actually responding in a, a kind of a healthy way to the distorted picture that they see. And they don't realize it's not just a matter of controlling your response. It's a matter of changing your lens, which usually is changing the story so you see more, right? That's how you can kind of clean the lens through which you interpret all of reality, which then allows you to experience things quite differently. So your automatic response is going to end up being different. I would say that these days, so much of what I see is cynicism, right? That that's a very common lens that people kind of pass everything through. And so no matter what happens, ah. Uh, I, I'm going to find that. I don't care how thin it is. I'm going to find the dark lining on that silver cloud or whatever, the silver, uh, dark cloud in that silver lining. I'm going to find it. And uh, and then there's other people who see the exact same thing, and all they can see is the silver lining, not a dark cloud, right? That, that there's a way that who we are, you know, we there's that famous line, we see things not as they are, but as we are. And uh, And I think that is so often true in relationships and interactions with people. We see things not as they are, but as we are. And it speaks more about our own hearts. And so I, I think if, if you are somebody who tends to feel very um, persecuted or, or marginalized or, or just that the world is a dark and evil place, it's worth at least asking if there's a way that you are, your eye is tuned to receive that particular story. If the lens through which you see the world is a little bit distorted. Uh, the, the other thing I'd point out is at the very end, he says, uh, if the Pharisees are criticizing Jesus for not doing their little custom about hand washing, um, and uh, it says, then the uh, Lord said to him, you Pharisees are so careful to clean the outside of the cup and the dish, but inside you're filthy, filthy, full of greed and wickedness. And I think, you know, we can all see the silliness of that. If, if I, you know, I've got a, a cup and if I were to, you know, kind of once I'm done with it, just clean the outside of the cup, Right, and then put it right back in the, the the cabinet for the next person to use. They look at like, oh, yuck! What what is this? Right, because it's actually the inside that really matters. And so I think that there's a, a way that we can judge our holiness by what is on the outside, the way we behave, rather than what's happening on the inside, and that that's the place where Jesus wants to experience freedom. But then that is the final point: is he says 
fools didn't God make the inside as well as the outside? So he's saying both are, you know, both matter. He'll clean the inside by, you'd think, what's the answer? Well, praying or repenting or, or he's by giving gifts to the poor and you'll be clean all over. That's a funny non sequitur, but I think it's because he's realizing when you, when your selfishness is what is holding you captive by the act of, of defying it will make you deal with all those emotions, which is actually what allows you to experience God's, God's healing in that area. And so anyway, I think that's a very interesting prescription that if we're the kind of people who tend to be elitist over others, that perhaps there is a way of being very generous with our money or with our time uh, or in some other way by being very generous to other people, that actually that could be a part of the way that God heals us from the inside. Yeah, that, that last part you were talking about reminds me of someone uh, very wise in my life who talked about um, their conversation with someone who is drinking and and was basically saying, asking, well, so why, why is it that I drink? And um, this person was a counselor and he, he said, I, I don't know why you drink, but when you stop drinking, we will very quickly find out why. Um, and there's this idea, you know, whether it's money, whether we're addicted to money and comfort or, or status or whatever it is, it might be tough to figure it out what, what's going on. But the minute we give it up and maybe Lent is a great time to give up some of these things. The minute we begin giving those things up, then we're, we're going to figure out very quickly why it is that we lean on these things. Those feelings will come up. And well, like and you said, we'll chosen, have to do the hard work. If you've chosen the right fast, you will not feel more holy. You will feel less holy. <laughs> Because what it'll do is come up with, it'll bring up from the surface, all up to the surface, all those things that you've been, uh, you know, using this thing, whatever it is you're fasting from, to kind of cover over. It'll all now come to the surface and you'll actually have to see it and deal with it. But that's where the healing and freedom can happen. Well, amen to that. And I will say that even as short as this fast has already been, uh, I'm already experiencing that. So let me pray for us. Let me pray for me. Oh, our good and gracious God, help dispel the darkness from our lives. Help us to see clearly. Give us the same kind of lens that Jesus had when he looked out into the world and he saw people who were hurting, people who needed healing, people who needed the light of God in their lives. Lord, help us to see the world in this way. Help us to see ourselves in this way so that we might be free in a way that we've never been free before. Lord, heal us, make us whole. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Friends, we're so glad to have you along for this journey through Lent and through Luke. And we look forward to seeing you again tomorrow.